Well, good morning, everybody. It's Kevin Stevenson, and you're with me on I Don't Care on Market Scale Radio. And I'm sure you can tell by the voice, I don't have much of one. And this is actually, we're actually recording two days after my Baylor Bears. How about that? Yeah, how about that? How about that voice there? My Baylor Bears won the men's basketball national championship. And yeah, I'm going to gloat for a little while because it's our first men's championship. You know, our women have won three, but uh, first for the men. So we're really excited about that. I screamed way too much money. I will admit I did not burn any couches, but there were couches burning in Waco. It felt like I was in Morgantown. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, so a lot of fun, a lot of great things going on here in Waco, a lot of great things going on at Baylor, and a lot of great things going on here on I Don't Care because we've got a great guest. It's a great day. So I want to introduce you to Aaron Call. Aaron is the founding principal for Jaunt. Aaron, welcome to I Don't Care. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Kevin. Hey, glad to have you on. Tell us a little bit about you. Tell us about Jaunt. Uh, excited to talk about what you guys are doing in the telehealth space. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's not just telehealth. I mean, we, we focus on digital health, Good. medical devices, and largely med tech. And so a uh, little bit about myself. I, um, I, uh, um, you know, I'm, a, I'm a med tech startup guy. I've only been in startups. And so I love the early stage side of envisioning where devices can be improved for healthcare and how to make that happen and how to get that commercialized. And okay. so uh, found a jaunt uh, several years ago to focus exclusively on that is with taking new technologies, whether that be telehealth to market and improving the growth of it, or whether that be surgical devices or implants or digital health. Um, that's where we focus our efforts. Okay, very good. Hey, I was looking at your website and I did see uh, your list of, of products that you that you work with outside of telehealth. One that, that really certainly interests me is structural heart and would love to hear a little bit about what you guys do in that before we we kind of step off into uh, uh, what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, yeah. Structural heart, you know, is a um, growing field. I actually cut my teeth in the industry um, working in mitral valve regurgitation. Oh, okay. So we were developing myocardial implants um, that were going to be delivered percutaneously. So uh, through the groin, um, up through up to the heart. And uh, so really kind of started to fall in love with cardiovascular space from there. And, you know, there's a lot we can do to uh, to improve how we address um, structural heart diseases and and uh, for for you know anybody across the globe. I mean, it's a it's a very difficult space with a lot of opportunities. Yeah, we're finding that same thing. My hospital does. Uh, we do an, a lot of TAVR work here. We're one of the top TAVR hospitals in the country, uh, and we're looking. We're going into the mitral valve space, so we're. Uh, we're, we're just on the on the cusp of that. So, well, very good. And again, saw a great list of a lot of different things that you do, but let's, let's talk a little bit about what you've done in the telehealth space. Tell me a little bit about that, and particularly about one of your, the case study that I was reading about. You know, talk to me about, you know, how do you differentiate a telehealth provider? Because there's so many of them out there and everybody, you know, the pandemic certainly has brought a lot of new people to market. So, you know, how can you how can you sell set yourself apart? 
Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. I don't know that I have the exact answer to, to that specific question. Well, it's going to um, be a short podcast if you don't. So, uh. <laughs> well, uh, but let me say it this way. So um, what we started with uh, several years ago was with a client that was in the, the telemedicine space, right? Um, and uh, and they were looking to do exactly what you just, what you're asking, which is, you know, hey, how do we compare and how do we differentiate? Mm -hmm. And so um, I think what our company does and what we're good at is um, objectively looking at the space um, and serving that information up to our clients so that they can see where to go next with eyes wide open. And specifically in the telemedicine space, what we noticed was there was a, um, a large, like you said, a large number of companies uh, that were, you know, just SaaS products. I mean, that's mm -hmm. all they were. Um, I mean, they weren't much different than, uh, uh, than Zoom or some yeah. of the other, you know, video platforms, right? And, and even today, some people are using, you know, the, the simplicity of Zoom and some of these other platforms. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, so, so we helped the company recognize that and we helped them see that there was, you know, um, if they wanted to compete in that space, then great. But otherwise, there was some wider space that they could head into. And largely it was enterprises um, where, uh, you know, large uh, healthcare systems needed more um, robust tools uh, yeah. to, to address the space appropriately. And so um, I think largely that's what they did and what's been working for them. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I'm in a, a relatively large hospital here in Central Texas. We're part of a large national organization. And, and certainly the pandemic really made us think totally, you know, differently about how we deal with, with our patients. Certainly, obviously in the hospital, but we have a large medical group that, that is part of, our, part of our network as well. And, and really having to pivot within a week's time from probably 90 to 95% in-person visits to, uh, I, I think one time we were doing about 75 or 80% virtuals uh, in wow. primary care alone. So, uh, you know, that's something that, and I think that's a, that's a great idea for, for, that, for that client of yours, uh, you know, looking at systems like ours, uh, because, you know, I've, I've done, I've been involved in telemedicine, telehealth for over 20 years, starting in outstate Nebraska years ago. But yeah, a lot of places, it, it's, it's so new for them. Uh, and so, you know, having organizations like yours that, that really kind of help focus people on, you know, doing the right thing in that space. So. Yeah, absolutely. The other thing that was really interesting that we identified, and again, this was um, a couple of years ago now before uh, the pandemic was, um, and I was amazed by this, that there was not much adoption of telemedicine across, mm -hmm. you know, the U.S., you know, which was amazing to me that there were so many economical benefits to it. But then, um but really, it followed um, the the payers and mm -hmm. how they address things. And so um, the pandemic really brought that to light, right? I mean, you probably yeah. you saw that just like you said, which was, um, okay, they needed a new way to address it. Um, telemedicine was already there. It had been there for several years. I mean, decades, like you mentioned, right? Um, mm -hmm. And then they needed a new way to, to bill and pay for it. And, and CMS came through quickly and started to yeah. make new ways of making that happen. Um, I think they've already adjusted to make that permanent and are, are on the path to doing so. Mm -hmm. 
And so everything that needed to change changed changed immediately, and uh, it was really the trigger that that the, the the telemedicine market needed. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, you, you talked about the payers, but certainly the regulatory agencies too. Uh, yeah, I know here in the state of Texas, telehealth was just telemedicine was just not not at the forefront, and, and there were a lot of different uh, constituencies that. You know, really, really try to, to to put the brakes on on the telemedicine uh, arena, and and you look at you, you look at states that have a vast rural expanse like a Texas, like a Nebraska, you know, particularly uh, the western states. Uh, it makes sense, and and it's it's certainly better patient care because so many of the residents out in the middle of nowhere, you know, they don't have access to subspecialists. And so how else are the, you know, the, and oftentimes they're, you know, a couple of hundred miles away. And so how do they get that level of care? And so, you know, again, you know, the pandemic brought a lot of, a lot of terrible things, but some of the good things that it brought out was the, was really the, uh, the push towards more telemedicine. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So, so, you know, Looking at your website, it's it appears to me that you you know you kind of have two sets of clients. You got you've got the clients who are developing products, and then you've got an investor group. Am I right there? I mean, are you yeah. linking those folks together? Talk, talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, great. So um, uh, we we noticed early on that the work we're doing for the startup executives and helping them see which market to go after, what that could be worth, right? Strategies for commercialization was exactly the same work that investors need to do due diligence mm -hmm. on potential yeah. investments in this space. And so, you know, there's a lot of smaller family offices and smaller funds that, you know, they don't have the dozens of analysts internal to run through this. And so mm -hmm. the idea there is to take those same practices that we use um, and and start to um, uh, uh, start to connect those two dots, right? Um, most of the time, when executives are looking for funding, they come to the investors and say, "Hey, this is a billion dollar market, you know." And here's why we yeah. think so. And the investors are rolling their eyes, saying, "It's not a billion dollar market." Here's why we think that, and and really connecting those dots and giving the information to the executive to serve up and say, "Hey, this is." This is certified information from mm -hmm. a third party as to the size of this market opportunity. And then the investor saying, okay, yeah, we, uh, the, the vision is them saying, we know that third party, we trust them, you know, and having them both speak that same language. So that, that's yeah. the general concept there. Well, you know, obviously you're, you're that connecting point between the, you know, the highly creatives, you know, the developers, the, you know, the clinicians, if you will, and the investors that are so black and white that are, you know, you, you've got to give me the, it's the Joe Friday, just the facts man type stuff. So, you know, you, you're providing a phenomenal service for both sides of that. So, so tell me, where's John going next? What do you guys, what, what's the future look like for y'all? <laughs> Thank you. I love that question, actually. Um, so we believe that there is so much information out there that uh, um, if we can tap into that information correctly, we can provide 
much better objective evidence of potential devices, technologies, and ways to improve healthcare than how we're doing it today. Mm-hmm. And so, so we believe that uh, we can start to build these processes to, um, to have executives, investors start to say, okay, let's build this product this way because that is gonna be successful. And that's exactly what these mm-hmm. clinicians need. We have a saying that we say all the time, which is, you know, projects don't fail because the technology doesn't work. You know, these, this day and age, that's true. They largely failed because we didn't understand the market. Yeah. And so, uh, so that's, where, that's where we're headed, is uh, being able to more efficiently, nearly with the push of a button, be able to provide that objective evidence to investors and to executives that are entering new med tech markets. Okay, w- without giving away any secrets, uh, tell me about something that really excites you now, a product, you know, try, try be as general as you, as you need to be, but, but what's exciting you right now that you say, you know, this could really make a difference in healthcare. Oh man, that's a tough, a tough one. I, <laughs> I wish I would have, uh, um, I, um, thought about that a little bit more <laughs> beforehand, but, um, off the cuff, there's there's several things. Um, the first thing that comes to mind is this this concept of uh, uh, personalized medicine, and you know the data and technologies behind being able to do that um, for whether it be cancer patients or mm-hmm. um, other types of patients. So I I think that's really interesting. Um, uh, there's a lot of digital health um, that I think is yeah. really interesting. I think behavior health is wildly important. Um, and the things that we're starting to show that could be done with apps and phones, you know, um, yeah. can totally change the behaviors of people. I mean, uh, um, I think type two diabetes is a, is a great example, right? Yeah. Where, you know, you tell somebody they're, they're pre-diabetic, they're like, oh, okay, we'll see when we get there, right? And yeah. um, mm-hmm. and it's so difficult to change those behaviors. And so we have a lot of opportunity with um, with digital health to start to change that. And in a way that's personalized medicine, right? Where we're, mm-hmm. we're catering to the individual, improving their lives through uh, through technology. And so... I think a lot of that really excites me how we can, you know, start to be more on the, on the um, forefront of medicine rather than on the reactive side of things. Okay. So, so I, I I'm trying not to talk about COVID as much, but I really have, I, I'm really interested in your response to this. So with, with a company like yours and yeah, with, with the pandemic happening and, you know, things being shut down and, and capital oftentimes being very limited. A couple of questions. Number one, how did COVID affect your company, change your company, and not only during the last year, but how do you see that changing your company going forward? Yeah. Um, so when it first came out, when the first pandemic was happening and shutdowns were happening and everybody was kind of wondering what was going to happen next, you know, um, the first question I had was, is investments going to dry up, right? You know, are, are they not going to move forward with investments? And, and I think that was a, a false thought, actually. Um, we haven't seen them dry up at all. And, and largely, you know, these funds are on some sort of timetable, usually 10 years or so, that they have to invest and have these returns come back in. And so um, that was our first concern. 
um, but it didn't happen. Um, the second thing that was concerning was um, uh, the drop of elective procedures. You know, some of these yeah. uh, procedures that you you might not even consider elective that that basically shut off, right? That mm -hmm. that caused you know a lot of drop in revenue for hospital systems for medical device companies. Um, we ran a study last year for aesthetics specifically that was talking about, you know, uh, what dermatologists thought, you know, was going to happen with with COVID. And mm -hmm. they saw something like 75 percent drop in their business or yeah. more. Right. Yeah. Um, sometimes 100 percent drop in business. Mm -hmm. But it actually came back really fast. Mm -hmm. um, it came back for them within, I think, three or four months. Um, yeah. And they expected it to be as higher, higher than their original flow. So, so what does that do for our business and, and moving forward? Um, well, one of the things is uh, we're having to talk about new ways of commercializing. Um, you know, uh, um, there's uh, hospitals, and, and I'd be curious your thought on this, are starting to ask the question, well, why do we need all these reps in the hospital all the time? We, with COVID being gone, we did fine without them, type mm -hmm. thing, you know, or with COVID in place. And um, so some of the sales models are starting to change um, that we need to be on the on the forefront of for commercialization. Um, some of the thought processes of market models and how we predict mm. um, procedures need to be considered. And so um, th those are some of the immediate things that come to mind on what COVID has changed in our business. Yeah, and I would really agree with you because you, you touched on something, you know, the amount of vendors that we see in hospitals is is astronomical at times and, and really having to limit that to the very, very critical few for those non-elective procedures, non-elective surgeries, as you said, really showed us, okay, yeah, they, they do bring value, but do they always have to be in the hospital? Could we do it virtually? Could we, you know, could we, could their, uh, could their appointments, be you know condensed um you know i got to be honest with you i've really kind of enjoyed having a lot more google meets with people because you know we can cut to the chase and and get uh, get the the salient conversation to uh completed quickly yeah and we're seeing technologies around being able to help you know those reps Mm -hmm. still have that contact in the hospital, yeah. but be able to reach out to several hospitals or from their car, you know, from one hospital to the next, be able to hit a surgery center that's a little bit further away or whatever it might be. And so, well, it, um, it just increases their efficiency. Yeah. You yeah. Know, because if you think about it, if, if they, you know, if a rep puts together a zoom meeting with say five to 10 hospitals, more than likely they're going to get, yeah, if they were going to one hospital at a time, they were going to have to answer the same question five to 10 times. Yeah. And now they're able to be a lot more efficient and yeah, they can, they can better plan their answers too. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's right. So there are, there are some things that are going to be, you know, that the pandemic is pushing. Yeah. Um, they'll start to change some of that. I feel like. Yeah. Well, you were talking about investment dollars too, drying up and in, yeah, I got to be honest. Here, here in Waco, in little bitty Waco, Texas, you know, population about 160,000. Um, on a typical year for our economic development, you know, a good year for us is 100 million dollars. During the pandemic, Waco has brought in over 450 million dollars worth of, uh, you know, commercial investment in town. 
it's just amazing. And, and so, you know, I think, uh, as you said, a lot of people have that, that false sense that, yeah, you know, because yeah, this industry might be drying up, everything's drying up, and that's just not the case. No, I was just going to say that I, I think it's been really interesting to watch, actually, how some uh, some industries have been really struggling, right? And, mm -hmm. and others have flourished. And yeah. medicine isn't a very perfect example of that. Oh, absolutely. Well, and, and the savvy investors, you know, I mean, COVID, COVID was certainly a, an ultimate disruption. And the savvy investors are looking for those disruptions to find out, okay, where can we go next? So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, very good. So in our last few minutes, you know, tell tell me something about you know that that you've that you've learned you know going forward uh, for healthcare for your business. Uh, you know what what has surprised you and something that you're going to be able to take uh, a greater advantage of going forward. Um, something that surprised me about this industry or you well, mean just more? yeah the industry but but also you know in your in your business being that you know being that consultant that connector between yeah. two very disparate types of people yeah um you know it's been really interesting to see um uh just how much people resonate with this concept of knowing your market right mm -hmm. and um i mean large that's that's the main thing that matters with developing innovation that helps people. I've, I've run into so many people that are saying, you know, I've got this greatest idea that it's going to help these people. And unless you can articulate an objective story as to how that can make money and how that can become a business um, and how that can get to market, it's really not going to help a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And so, so largely that's, um, that's one of the things that I've been interested in and that we continue to build is this, is this capability of being able to put on an objective lens of, okay, these five markets that you want to go after as a platform technology, you should do this one first and here's mm -hmm. why, and here's how, and here's what it's going to be worth and how to lay that out so clearly that they're like, all right, that's the direction we're yeah. headed. And, uh, so that's, uh, that's what we really enjoy doing. And that's, um, as I've gone deeper and deeper into this, I just see that being exactly what, you know, our clients need. And so we, we hope to keep serving them in that capacity. Yeah. Well, and, and I think last question, do you see, do you see people being more willing to take risk or are they more risk averse right now in, in both, on both ends of your spectrum in the development and also the investment side? Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's changed. I okay. mean, I think I think investors are out there taking risks on medical technologies, and they love this space, right? Because there is so much opportunity to continue to innovate um, and grow in this space, um, and uh, you know, people are passionate about it. And so, I think that risk is they're going to continue to take that risk. They're, the dollars are there for it. Um, but really, what we need to do better at is we need to do better at um, de-risking it from the beginning. Uh, knowing the need so well and aligning that need to to the market opportunity, and so um, uh, I I think that risk is going to stay there. Okay, as you said, we've got to get better. All of us got have to get better at telling us telling the story. That objective story is yeah. where it's all at. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Hey, Aaron, uh, what's your website? 
Website is jauntup.com, spelled J-A-U-N-T-U-P.com. Perfect. All right, viewers and listeners, this has been Aaron Call, founding principal of Jaunt. Take a look at their website. They've got some really cool and interesting stuff, a lot of really good case studies on there. Uh, if, you're, if you're in need of somebody like Aaron and his team, give them a shout. My goodness. All right, Aaron, thanks again for being on I Don't Care with me. Kevin, I appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. I really enjoyed it. So viewers and listeners, you know, you know how to find us every Friday morning, 930 Central on MarketScale.com. If you missed the live podcast, uh, check out Spotify or iTunes, download us. And I'll end it like I always do. If you haven't subscribed to us yet, why haven't you? This is Kevin Stevenson. We'll talk to you next week.